It's episode 30 of Flying Podcast, and today's podcast interviewee is Craig Richardson. Craig actually wrote in and suggested the subject for this podcast. He's at, a, at the point in his flying career where uh, he's about to launch into training for the ATPL, and he's trying to decide where to do his ATPL ground school studies and the CPL IR flight training. He thought that the uh, decision-making process that he's going through would make for uh, an interesting podcast. Craig has done a great deal of research online via aviation forums, by visiting flight training exhibitions and by talking to the training suppliers themselves. Today we discuss which training providers made it onto Craig's shortlist, get an idea for which companies he's thinking of going with and of course why he chose them. So let's listen to Pilot Craig. Hi Craig, how are you? Hi Steve, yeah I'm fine, thanks very much. Good. Uh, right, I believe you're uh, about to start on your ATPL training career. Uh, could you tell me first what training have you done to date? Uh, yeah, certainly. Um, to date, uh, I've started a majority of the foundation phase. Uh, I currently hold um, a private pilot's license for aeroplanes with a single-engine piston class rating. I have a night qualification, and very recently I undertook the complex sign-off, which allowed me to fly a wobbly prop and retractable undercarriage. Okay, good. Uh, where did you do that training? Uh, all the training so far has been undertaken with Andrewsfield Aviation, which is in Essex. Um, it's about four miles to the west of Raintree and lies very, very closely inside the transponder mandatory zone, the northeastern stub of Stansted CTA. Okay. Uh, and prior to doing your ATPL, um, I'm guessing you've done lots of research? Yeah, research is one of those things that um, I would recommend anyone to do. Um, I used a mixture of visiting schools themselves, seeing their facilities, talking to the instructors, talking to current students, also using um, some common things um, which some people may not be aware of, but there are the flyer forums, which is looked after by the flyer magazine, also, there's the Professional Pilots Rumour Network, Prune, which um, are two very good aviation forums that you can get advice, speak to past and present students, uh, and also people who have been to visit them and have just commented on the schools themselves. Have you ever been to any of the exhibitions? Yes, yeah, I've been to the Flyer exhibition down in London. Now, that's a, a very good exhibition. Um, would recommend that thoroughly to um, any potential student looking to do the ATPL. Uh, there's lots of flying schools uh, all under one roof. All the instructors are there, all the examiners are there, um, all the sales staff are there. And a lot of the main players like Oxford Aviation, Cab Air, former commercial flight training, they will all be there. So you can all ask all your questions all under one roof. Okay, so having done your research, uh, what route do you think you'll go down? Do you, do you fancy the modular or integrated? Yeah, there's two obviously very good routes. Integrated if you um, want to do zero to hero, as they call it, from no flying experience to a, uh, an air to airline transport pilot's license, which is commonly frozen until you've reached 1,500 hours, yeah. uh, where it will then become unfrozen. And then there's obviously the modular route. Now, I hold a full-time job at present, so the modular route for me is, is really the best way for me to go. Um, and based on me actually having a private pilot's license already and done some of the foundation phases, 
Um, it would be um, it's a bit silly of me to go down the line of integrated and uh, and obviously just take the money off the course that that I've already done. Um, it still works out cheaper with the modular route. Okay, so if you choose the the modular route, you could choose to uh, attend like a full time ground school course, couldn't you? Or you could do it uh, as a distance learning option. And which which route do you reckon you're going to go down? For me personally, I, I really wrestled with um, the whole idea of full-time versus the distance learning, what suits my type of learning. Uh, it's been a, a long time since I've been in school, and uh, the body doesn't really retain and uh, learn as it used to 10, maybe 11 years ago. Um, I won't give away my age. Um, but um, in, in a sense... Full-time would be ideal, being lectured, um, bouncing off all the other students, um, having little study groups. But based on having to need have the need for money to come in, pay bills, distance learning will probably be the best option for me. And that's okay. the route I've decided to go down. Okay, cool. Uh, so after you've done all your research, did you come up with like a, a short list of candidate companies you're going to go with? Yeah, there's obviously quite a few companies out there offering the distance learning package, uh, and some of those um, schools uh, would be Cats Aviation, Bristol Ground School, Oxford Aviation, Cab Air, um, and I'm sure there are probably one or two out there that I've uh, that I've missed. But um, yeah, I've, I've looked at quite a lot of the main players to see who uh, could offer me the course. So, what criteria did you use then in in picking your short list of companies? There was quite a bit of criteria that I was looking for. I was looking for flexibility of the course. I was also looking for what type of support that I'd get from the supplier of the course. Now, with me being out of uh, education for a little while, um, if I struggled on a certain area, I was looking to see what sort of support I'd get from the school. Um, I was also looking at how many phases they actually did and how many subjects they did in each phase, um, along with their structured weekly or two weekly visits at the end of each module to to have a classroom revision because that is part of the criteria um, you must obviously visit the school and do a certain percentage of your hours yeah uh, some places do three phases don't they and some two yeah well for instance cab air cab air will offer three uh, three phases and there'll be three uh, six and uh, a four and but oxford Aviation offer two. Yeah. The same with Bristol Ground School, they offer two as well. Whereas Cats will offer three as well. So that they all offer a varied three or two options. So you you favour the more the more phases, so, so you can break up your study and do the, the exams in fewer chunks. You yeah, I, I like to do the exams in fewer chunks. Um, therefore, I can concentrate on certain subjects um, a little a little longer than if I would if I had just two phases um, to worry about. Okay, and in terms of cost, obviously that's very important to you. Which one came out near the top? Cost, cost is a good one. Um, there are schools out there which their packages is literally all they do as a business. That's all they have, like Bristol Ground School. That, that's all they do. That's their bread and butter. Um, they have the fantastic software package, which uh, we've sampled via a demo that you can actually get from Bristol Ground School or visit their website. Um, but that, that, to me, is a little bit costly. Um, but then you pay for what you get, whereas on the other end of the scale, you have Cab Air, who offer a distance learning package for under a £1,000, um, and they 
their, their method is that they pay their instructors full time to be at the school. So you don't actually have to pay for anything more than really the books, plus a little bit more. And then you can draw on the experience of the instructors anyway, because that's where they're going to be full time. Because so I think if you do it with cats, you can get it for less than a thousand, but you don't get the actual paper guides. Do you just do it all online? That's correct. Um, Cats Aviation offers um, the 14 subjects in three stages. You can buy that uh, as an online study guide along with the brush up ground school. You get the free cats question bank along with the progress brush up tests uh, and obviously instructor help all for £999. Um, you can get slightly cheaper than that if, if you really are looking at uh, saving the money. And for about £895, you can go with Cab Air. Um, which they call them the European Pilot Training Association, I believe. Um, and they offer, again, they offer the free phases, but all you're really paying for there is the books uh, and the study guides, plus a little bit more. Um, and then you can still draw on the instructors anyway. And, and you also get the benefit of Cab Air to have their new Week Zero, which is uh, a brush up on the CRP5 and math science in preparation for the course itself. Okay, and how can you sort of judge the quality of the of the coursework, you know, the, the the books that they supply? That, that that's a very difficult one. It's a tough it, one, isn't it? Really, it is. It, that's like looking at a can of coke, saying how can you judge the quality of the coke inside before you've drunk it. Um, you, you really can't can't until you actually try it. But what you can do is you can go on the research, you can go on the forums, find out from new existing students, and, and find out how they feel the. Um, the folders are the the content is and whether the structure is any good and that's the only way you can really gauge really so having run these four perspectives through your list and your criteria which ones are you sort of narrowing it down to or have you actually picked one well i i'm literally leaning towards cab air okay um, but um i haven't um disregarded cat aviation either but at the moment, everything is leaning towards the um, distance learning with Cab Air. Is that purely on price, or are you obviously happy with the quality of the uh, the work? Uh, well, I, Cab Air is one of those schools that I have already visited. Um, I took a Cessna 172 from my, my home airfield of North Wheel down to Bournemouth um, only two weeks ago to uh, visit the school in person, have a look around, speak to some of the students. I also took time to have a look at the material that I'll be taking um, home with me should I uh, enrol on a course with them uh, and, and to be honest the, the material looks good it looks well presented well laid out it, it doesn't look like there's too much all on one page it's pretty well spread out um, so I was happy with the content that I, I got from them okay you say you, you're going to continue to work full-time so I'll be working full-time yeah roughly how many hours a week do you reckon you'll be putting aside for study I would like to think that I'd be able to put around 10 to 15 hours a week in on the course alone. Okay. And given 15 hours a week, how long do you think it's going to take you to do the ground school? I reckon anywhere between 8 to 12 months is my goal anyway. I seem to remember Kat saying it was approximately three months per stage for three stages, so that sounds about right. Yes, yeah, it's about three months per phase. Um, uh, as I said, I, I anticipate doing it in anywhere between eight and twelve. Um, I certainly don't think I'll be able to retain the information with a, with a full understanding in less than eight months. I think 
um, which is the sheer volume of information. Okay, so with Caber, let's say you have the three phases. Do they, do they have ongoing tests to make sure you're absorbing all the information? Do you know? Yes, you you will have um, you'll obviously have your progress tests as you go along, um, which will be virtually at the end of each phase and in each subject in each phase you'll you'll have progress tests which you'd submit back to the school. They would test um, and mark those tests for you. Um, they're regularly scheduled. Um, at key points in, in actual material that you're, that you're learning. And then, of course, you have uh, the consolidation weeks and revision prior to doing the actual exams? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, at the end of each phase, you'll do um, a one-week, um, basically full-time ground school for them for a week, where you will do um, some, some sample test papers, um, failures to achieve any of you know, the passes that they require for the test, uh, will result in a mandatory second attempt uh, before sitting the actual JA examinations. Right. Uh, okay, so that's. I think we've discussed the ATPL theory side there. What are you going to do for the actual flight training side? Are you going to stick with Cab Air for that, or are you looking elsewhere? I've looked. At, I'm looking at a couple of places for the actual um, ATPL training. Um, and when I say ATPL training, I'm referring more to the CPL, commercial pilot's license, and the instrument rating itself. Um, I'm in the progress, uh, in the process, sorry, of actually doing the multi-engine piston rating as we speak um, to, to get that done. And I've also finished the hour building as well. So I'd like to keep the CPL and IR training all at one provider to show some continuity through the professional phase. Uh, and I'm looking at both Cab Air and I'm also looking at Stapleford for these two. I've not come across Stapleford. Where, where are they? Are they in New London? Um, Stapleford are literally just um, to the north uh, of the M, or the north of London, just on, inside the actual M25 itself. It's probably about three, two or three miles to the south of North Wheels, um, which is in the southwestern stub of the Stamford TMZ. Okay. So you you will have done your multi-engine. You, you don't have an IMC, do you? I have no IMC at the present. Are you thinking of doing that before you go on to the IR, by the way? Yeah, I'm looking at doing the IMC before the IR, and I, the only reason why I'm looking to do that is A, it's going to hone in on my uh, my skills as a pilot. Yeah. Um, it's also a, a good get out of trouble, uh, but not only that, it allows me to actually do some actual IFR work and log IFR time in preparation for the for the instrument rating itself. Uh, so, what sort of costs are you looking for at Cab Air and Stapleford for those? Do you know? They're all pretty much. There or thereabouts. Yeah. For example, if, if we looked at um, Stapleford, Stapleford's course, you can do either the Seneca or they have their DA42. You know, the, the prices for, for these two courses, for especially for the professional side, um, I'll give the exact prices if, uh, if that will help. Sure, yeah. For the actual commercial license without an interest rating, it's around about £5,000. And for the instrument rating, for somebody who actually holds a commercial pilot's license, is 11000 to 12000 But I would seriously recommend to anyone who's doing the courses to budget for around about 10% extra on top of those prices to allow for um, any, any failures. Um, but I would seriously recommend looking at um, any of the hidden costs, like if that includes the test fees, whether that includes for the 170As, um, or, or, or the landing fees. The landing fees will also be on top of those as well. Yeah. 
Uh, where are you doing your your multi-engine at the moment? Where are you doing that? The multi-engine I'm looking to do with Andrew Field Aviation. Okay. Uh, again, that, that's showing continuity in training providers, therefore doing everything in the foundation phase and the multi-engine all at one school. So I and hopefully, with a bit of luck, I'll only have two schools on the CV that will show um, training. So you're still not decided between Stapleford and Cabare, is that correct? Yes, um, I've still not decided. Everything here at the moment, if I was to make a choice today, I would uh, definitely guess that it would be Stapleford. They don't give you any sort of discount if you do the uh, the theory and the, the flying with them, do they? Cab Air do offer a discount if you book more than one package with them. Um, they do give you a discount. Stapleford, Stapleford doesn't. Stapleford don't um, offer any theoretical training. Although they do have a partnership with London Metropolitan University. Okay. Do you have a sort of a notional idea of the total cost for all of this that you're going to do? And have you told your uh, wife? <laughs> <laughs> well, the wife's happy because as far as she's concerned, if I make a commercial pilot and I earn a nice little bit of money at the end of it, she, she can have a house, she can have a car, she can even have as many handbags as she likes. I promise you the handbags. Um, but um, at the moment, I, I've spent around about £25,000 on our building, um, PPL, um, night qualification, uh, and I anticipate another 35000 just to get to the frozen ATPL. Um, that's without a type rating. Okay, uh, you've mentioned that uh, you think it's of importance to do all your training at uh, relatively few training centres. Do you think the recruiters are consciously looking for people that have done it uh, at one particular uh, training centre or...? Or do you not think it matters? If I'm, if I'm being honest, some, some, air, some, some airline companies don't give a damn who you've got your training for. So long as you've got the required licenses, ratings, hours, that's all they're interested in. Um, if, if, you go, if you go to some schools, they'll say, oh, yes, every airline looks for people who have got integrated. Um, or some would say everyone who's got modular training, you, you, you'd be favoured. Um, I've done a lot of networking and I, and I know a fair few people in the uh, aviation industry now um, through, through my flying and um, some of them have said, to be honest, it doesn't make any odds uh, and some say, if you can keep it to as, as few as possible, it, it can't do you any harm. So that was a 50-50 one, I think. Yeah, I don't know if you listened to the Thomas Cook podcast that I did. They didn't seem to, to mind whether you were modular, integrated or, or what, as long as you could do the job. Yes, I, I did listen to the Thomas Cook podcast, which I thought was very informative. Um, it's, it's not an airline that I've uh, looked at before in terms of uh, possible recruitment. Um, so it's, it's very nice to know that they you know, would favour or even look to favour or even take on any modular students. That, that to me is, is a good plus point. Okay. Do you have a, a sort of time scale for when you're going to start your CPL proper and uh, have a, a sort of time scale for finishing it? Or are you just going to do it... Uh as and when you can afford it and aim to finish whenever? The initial plan after the private pilot's license was to go full steam ahead for the ATPL theory. And then once that was finished, to do the, the actual ATPL training along with our building. As the industry has taken a bit of a nosedive, which um, quite a lot of people have felt the effect of, both passengers and crew, um, I thought it was best to do some of the training before actually going on to the professional phase. Um, now that the industry's starting to look a little bit better and there may be one or two very small signs of a recovery in progress um, although still a long way to go 
Um, at the moment, um, I look at probably around about 18 months to two years for completion, I think. Um, but um, that is all subject to change depending on the industry really. And at the moment, I'm in no particular hurry because the industry is only just starting to, to twitch uh, with a bit of life. What sort of flying do you want to do when you qualify? Do you have a preference? Um, I certainly want to do commercial passenger operations in terms of paying passengers for um, flights to holidays um, and places abroad. I'd like to do that for a number of years. And then later on in life, as, uh, as I start to get a little bit older, I wouldn't mind transitioning onto um, freight aircraft and, and doing night freight runs. As long as your wife gets her handbags. Yeah, yeah, she, she'll probably be quite happy if I actually uh, went away and did night shifts because as she works during the day um, and I'm working during the night, we'll, we'll never meet. But, um, <laughs> so, no, she, people she, happy she, marriage. Yeah, she, you know, we've only been married uh, now coming up four years, but uh, you know, it seems like a lifetime already. But, you know, she's been really supportive of me and I, and I really can't thank her enough for that. Good. Uh, a little bit more about yourself. I know you, you're quite active in, in promoting general aviation in your spare time, aren't you? Yeah, I, 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 lo- I love everything to do with aviation. I, I love the circle of friends that you can you can meet. Um, and unfortunately, in, in a lot of cases, we, we can get a bad rap from uh, local residents. Um, and also, we can also get a bad rap from the media themselves. Um, only just today, I was reading a news article about a, a PA-32, which um, made a forced landing and ditched just off the coast of Suffolk. And um, I read in the actual news article itself, they're actually calling it a Cessna PA-32. Um, yeah. And they said it crash-landed. And uh, really intriguing. Somebody in the general public just reading, I think, oh, my God, a plane crash-landed. And, you know, the, the common mix-up of a PA-32 being called a Cessna. Yeah. Um, inaccurate reporting, that's one of my pet hates. Yeah, why let the truth get in the way of a good story? That's it. You're quite active on the forums, aren't you? I've noticed uh, you're on uh, Flyers forums there. I'm on both Flyer forums and the P-Prune forums, although I tend to favour the Flyer forums. Um, There's a good set of guys on there, and ladies, um, equally. Um, We all have a good laugh and a joke. We have some very good, serious conversations, lots of great advice on there. But we also meet up socially for curry nights, um, fly-ins, and um, we, you know we do quite a few charity of, charity occasions as well. In the process, right in saying you, does help. you've actually organised some fly-ins yourself. Uh, yeah, I, I've organised now. Um, last year, I organised a student PPL and experience building day at Wellsbourne Airfield, uh, which is near Coventry. That was a, a really really good turnout with. Um, quite a large number of aircraft and visitors and we arranged a special Vulcan visit. Um, That specific idea came about where once you finish your PPL, quite a few people only fly a few hours before they decide to stop flying through through whatever means. And I'd like to try and give support to new PPLs to um, expand their horizons, travel that little bit further and by experienced pilots offering to sit in the right-hand seat May give a new PPL a bit of more, a little bit more comfort to um, to go that bit further, knowing they've got somebody with experience right next to them. And, and likewise, my student pilots can take the right hand seat with a qualified pilot flying, who can also gain experience 
that they're not experiencing at the moment in their lessons. Um, so it all just adds to building new friends and ex- and building on that experience. And we did another one this year at Duxford Airfield. Um, this year I had some help with um, Alan Evans, um, which is a casual FISO from Duxford itself. And also had um, Jim and Pat Dalton, um, who are, again, very good friends of uh, myself. And uh, we helped each other out uh, a couple of times in terms of they do a burnt children's club day where they sell bacon sandwiches and all the proceeds goes to the burnt children's club so two very good people again very active in aviation um so again i'm thankful to to all three of them for helping out in this year's event and if somebody wants to look look you up on uh, the flyer form or ppru what name do you go under on there my you my username for the fly forums is nighthawk two separate words um i'm sure if you ask anyone on there i'm sure they'll probably point you in my direction anyway I go under the handle of VFR Transit for Pete Brune. Again, anybody has any questions, please come and find me. Um, I, you know, I'll be glad to help if I can, um, even if it is just to point you in the direction of somebody else who may be able to answer your questions. Well, that's brilliant. And uh, I hope you'll come back on the, the podcast when you're some way through your uh, training career and let us know how you're getting on. Yeah, I, I, I certainly will. Um, you know, as I said, I, I love to promote aviation and um, to give as much advice and information, you know, the information that I've given um, on this podcast is literally my own, my own thoughts, my own feelings, uh, and my own research. Not everyone's going to agree with it, um, but not everyone uh, will look at it and think, oh, it's, it's a waste of time. Hopefully everyone will take their own little bit out of this podcast, take some of the ideas, work it for themselves, and hopefully everyone will come up with um, the answers that they want to come up with. Right, well, that's brilliant. Thank you very much, Craig. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was Craig Richardson. I hope Craig will come back on the podcast and let us know how he's getting on with his training. It's good to see someone trying to help his fellow aviators along the way by sharing his thoughts. Uh, It's also good to see him promote aviation by organising flyouts for inexperienced pilots, so good on him. If anyone else would like to share their thoughts on flight training, you can email me, like Craig did, and we'll try and get something together. Anyway, don't forget you can support the podcast in a small way by buying your aviation books and DVDs, etc. uh, via the Amazon links on the website. I get a few pennies from every sale and and the funds go towards paying to keep the podcast on air. Well, that's it for episode 30. If you have any comments, suggestions for future episodes, or if you'd like to take part, like Craig, you can email me on steve at flyingpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget you can follow me on Twitter or Facebook by searching for Flying Podcast or click on the Twitter and Facebook links on the website. Thanks for listening. I'll speak to you again soon.